The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Eagles are on the clock, and we have it covered here. Thanks to the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K I S T. And today we have a special guest for you. I finally was able to pin down Eric Crocker to talk about this quarterback class and how he ranks guys and why. Obviously, it's a position of need for the Eagles as they look to find answers opposite Darius Slay. And we cover a good range of guys from day one and day two. We also look at a couple day three guys, so it's a good spread there. Before we get to that conversation, a quick reminder that shows have been dropping hot and heavy over the last couple of days with new stuff from BGN Radio. From the Bleachers, the QB Sco Show, the Kiston Solak Show, which dropped at midnight last night. So we have plenty of content to get you through your day as we approach the 8 p.m. start to the 2020 NFL Draft. Make sure you're all caught up by subscribing to BGN. And while you're there, drop a five-star rating and review as it really helps us out. Also, a reminder that me and Seamus Clancy will be live on Instagram at Bleeding Green Insta for portions of day one and day two of the NFL draft. We'll also be giving away t-shirts and everything like that. And also for the feed, we're going to be dropping quick reaction shows for each pick that'll be like five to ten minutes. And then we'll have more in-depth shows for those picks after that fairly soon after the pick so the feed is going to be packed with analysis of the eagles draft selections and let's just get right into the content here let's get at it and let's talk about some quarterbacks and joining me today former nfl cornerback host of the press coverage podcast he also contributes at fourth and nine.com he is eric crocker follow him on twitter at eric underscore crocker and trust me, you will learn a lot from this dude. Eric, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. I appreciate you having me on. And I like the introduction, too. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, no problem. So let's let's dig right into this, Croc, because one thing I really value about your analysis is, number one, you know what the hell you're talking about. You've been there. You've done that. Number two, you're not afraid to break from the consensus. Sometimes I don't even think you know where the consensus is. You just don't care. You watch the film. You have your takeaways, and that's it. And I know you have taken some flack for how you view the top of this cornerback class, even though this sentiment that you have is actually starting to gain steam around NFL circles as stuff leaks out as we get close to the draft, because you're of the opinion that it's Florida's CJ Henderson, who is the best cornerback in this class. 
Uh, Eric, you had a thread on him recently that being being Henderson, you talked about the upside and downside of his game and what you thought could be coached up as well, which is a common question when you talk about projecting these guys to the NFL, what could be coached, what can't. What makes you so bullish on Henderson and making your number one guy? Um, I think the biggest thing that I, I guess I don't want to call it a mistake that people make, but they look at how someone played in college. And just correlate that to how they're going to play at the next level. Not really take into account talent that they played against, you know, the scheme that they were in. Mm. So, you know, with like NFL guys or with college guys, you know, going to the NFL, I view everybody as a prospect. You know, the best quote unquote guy like that, that can change. Right. We've seen a ton of guys who are super you know, productive in college, and then they get to the NFL and they pan out, right? And there are guys that get to the NFL that maybe weren't the most uh, productive guys, but then they get to the league and they're, you know, extremely, you know, productive, right? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with just what type of skill set this person has. And obviously you don't want someone that was like, you know, a terrible player, but has like, oh, he has all these me- measurables, but he was just terrible. No, you you, you don't want that. You just want a guy that you feel like his skill set and his talent matches uh, what you think he can be at the next level. So when it comes to C.J. Henderson, to me, I think he gets a bad rap for a lot of things that don't really, I don't want to say don't matter. People point to his tackling. That's the main thing. Oh, he's just such a terrible tackler, right? Like that's one of the first things they go to. Mm-hmm. And to me, I think if you want to like put together a, a one-minute clip of him missing tackles, of course he's going to look terrible. But nobody out th- nobody puts out there you know, a one-minute clip of him making really good tackles in the backfield on running backs, second quarterbacks, rushing off the edge, um, setting the edge. Like, nobody puts out those things. Um, So they kind of put a narrative in people's head, and that's the first thing that people think. He just can't tackle, and that's not true. Can he be inconsistent? Did he have a terrible game against Miami? Yeah. But he's not afraid to tackle. He is willing. It just needs to be more consistent. So that's one. The other thing that I see, especially, like, used as an argument against Henderson is oh his passer rating he gave up this he gave up that and I I don't I think people just kind of look at the raw numbers and not really exactly how it happened right so he had a man to man coverage where he gave up like a 50 yard touchdown against Chase uh, Jamar Chase from LSU mm. but was not being taken into account by you know maybe PFF or you know whatever stats are looking at is it was a pick play he got picked <laughs> it was the receiver ran like right into him and then his defender ran into him. And Chase ran a, a wheel route off of the guy's butt, yeah. and he scored. Now, that, those numbers go against him. And those go for those, oh, he gave up this many big plays and all this. But nobody takes into account how it happened. There was another touchdown he gave up that game. It was like a, a seven-yard play where he kind of was on the one-yard line and kind of backed out a little bit. And Chase yeah. just kind of ran a slant. He was kind of there. They, like, make a tackle, and he caught it right at the goal line. Those are things where I look at, can I coach this up? And it's like, yeah, hey. Don't back up into the end zone. Hmm. It's that simple. <laughs> you know, and somebody with his talent, he can fix it. Yeah. So those are just kind of some things where I, I get it. I get the concerns that some people have. Certain things just aren't as big of a concern to me. Another one, uh, just one more example. Yeah. The play, there was a deep ball against Auburn. It was a blown coverage. Now, was he to blame? Was the safety to blame? I don't know. Yeah. But if they put it on him, that's another 50-yard game. Hmm. that is going to go against his passer rating for, versus him and a deep play where it's just like, hey, you know, if I'm a coach, hey, do this. And now, hey, this big play doesn't happen. So that's just kind of how I view it. I think those are things that are really, you know, fixable and correctable. I think the things that you can't uh, fix, hey, does this guy just get outran down the sideline on goal routes? Hey, does this guy have uh, bad feet? 
Ah, does he have stiff hips? Um, and those are things that he doesn't have. He gets out of his break. You know, out, he puts his foot in the ground and drives the ball on the receiver. It's probably the fastest in his uh, in, in his class. Yeah. Uh, him running down the field with the receivers, no matter how fast they are, it's effortless. His change of direction, really good. And the crazy thing is, you know, I thought this dude, because I, I don't do a whole lot of research on guys before, like, the draft season. So I'm thinking the whole time that C.J. Henderson is, like, 5'10", 180 pounds. And that's what he looks like on, on the field. Like, he moves that well. He goes to the combine, and I'm like, what? This dude's 6'1", 205 pounds? And moves that way with those type of feet? Like, that's elite. Like, you don't see that often. Mm. Those are the things. That's just kind of how I look at it. And then, you know, um, real quick, not to ramble on, but, you know, we talk about Akuda. I think Akuda, terrific prospect. If you ask me who was the best college football player, um, um, best cornerback, I would say it was him. Mm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that his game translates to the NFL the best. He's a guy that ran a 4.48 and a 4.50, which is not bad. But when we're talking about elite skill set and can this guy guard any type of receiver anywhere on the field, I'm not going to say he can't, but it's something that I question. He played in a scheme where I thought favored him a lot, right? There was a ton of press bill where you don't have a lot of over the top. Well, I don't want to say you don't have a lot. You don't have a lot of underneath responsibility. Now, I did think he did a great job of squeezing routes, even from a press bill. I thought he was one of the better press bill corners I've ever seen. But obviously playing like that is going to limit the deep ball. So, you know, it's just it's just I think people have to take into account kind of how they played, what they were asked to do. I, I never saw Okuda, who, again, I think is great. And I said I think he played the best cornerback uh, co- uh, uh, play in college football. But he wasn't asked to do what Henderson had to do. Mm. He wasn't asked to follow around Jamar Chase for an entire game. Right. Yeah. Um, in the slot on the outside. I didn't see that from him. So I don't want to knock him because this is like a Richard Sherman and Darrell Revis conversation. I don't want to knock him for excelling in the defense that he was asked to play. He did his job. But I'm just saying I take those kind of things into consideration when I'm going to be drafting a guy to play in my scheme. Definitely. And that's a good way to separate like the narrative from what, like what's really important, what you can coach up, and how you project these guys. So well argued there on that point. I think Henderson's going to go really high in the draft and uh, a lot of teams like i said kind of leading into this prefer him as, as cb1 so you are not alone uh when initially when you put that out there you kind you kind of were the only person pounding that table and now uh that table that that pounding is getting a little bit louder let's go to uh my cornerback three your cornerback three christian fulton of lsu um i don't want to lead you into anything by like talking about what i like about his game i, I want to see if what i what i think is in line with what you're saying. What makes Fulton uh, one of your top guys in your rankings? Oh man, he's a he's like a, a natural aggressive press man guy. I, I value press man skills first because I feel yeah. like I can teach zone. Yeah, um, I can teach you where your eyes are supposed to be if I'm a good coach. It's hard to teach guys to be confident at the line of scrimmage, to stay square, to get hands on a receiver, to not you know back out to where you're creating space. And I thought he did those things extremely well. Alabama game jumps out. I'm pretty sure anybody that watched that, I think that might have been the most impressive performance that I've seen from any cornerback this year. Yeah. To be able to guard guys that are arguably the, you know, the top three receivers in this class, you know, two of the top three receivers in this class, to just play press man against them in every play and not get beat. And not and not get not not just not get beat, but not get stressed, not looked panicked when you're up against oh, like Henry Ruggs, you know what I mean? That's special. Like to me, that's special stuff. To 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 line up across from someone, when you run a four four seven, and you know I don't run a four two, but you're guarding somebody that runs a four two seven, 
you don't look like you're stressed out at all by Gardner's guy. You don't look panicked. You don't look rushed. You know, I always talk about people's time clock uh, being sped up. When you're guarding someone that's really fast, your time clock gets sped up. His never did. Hmm. That's a very unique and special talent, in my opinion. And that was something that I really value. I really struggle with not having him over Akuda <laughs> just because of that. You know, I, I didn't get a chance to see Akuda play Judy and Ruggs and see how he would react to that. I saw him play Hamler and yeah. line up in the slot a little bit against him. And there were times where he looked a little rushed. He looked a little. Now, I gave him a break because sometimes when you line up in the slot, that is, it's difficult if you're not a, a nickel guy. Yeah. But, you know, to see Fulton outside and play press man with that type of confidence and read guys that and did he were there a couple routes where you know rugs got him sure that's gonna happen right for a majority of the routes i thought uh reps i thought he handled his business and i was extremely impressed by that performance so yeah there was no way he was gonna be out of my top three i want to move off this linear progression in your rankings for a second and talk about jeff gladney of tcu because when you compare his game to somebody like Fulton, like there are people that have them pretty close, at least projecting them to go in the same area of the draft. When you look at the patience of Fulton, how does that compare to somebody like Gladney who can almost do too much in the initial part of his route and make like more difficult for himself? Um, I talked about, you know, not creating the space for the receiver. I'm really big on that. Hey, make the receiver work laterally. Now, if you're guarding a guy who's maybe quicker than you and you feel the need to have to feather out or inch, whatever you want to call it, motor out a little bit, you know, th th that's fine, I guess. But he sometimes does it, well, a lot of times does it much more often than what he needs to do. Mm. He did it against Mims. Mims is not somebody that's going to beat him off the line of scrimmage with quickness. You don't have to give that space. One time, and I've never seen this in my life, I saw him motor out for 10 yards. <laughs> now, the good thing is he stayed square. Right. He stayed square, so that was cool. But I just know, hey, you do that enough, somebody's gonna just run a slant and they're, they're just gonna go and you're not you're never gonna touch them. And he does he does that just way too often. Now, I guess the positive thing is that's something that, that can be taught, right? Mm -hmm. I, I could teach him to not do that, and all he has to do is trust his technique. Now he has the feet, he has the ability, he has to change of direction. I think he needs to settle down a little bit because if you watch Fulton and then you watch him, he's a little herky jerky. With his yeah. movements, it's a little kind of like it's like, dude, why are you working so hard? You don't have yeah. to, you don't have to work that hard. So he's like, it's not as smooth. But I feel like he has the ability, he has the hips, the feet to do that. And then his off coverage was something to me. I thought he played it a little too safe. You know, challenge yourself, trust your ability, drive on routes. Even guys like uh, Bryce Hall, well, I think Gladney has much more natural ability to play the off, you know, off coverage, but. He didn't trust it as much as even Bryce Hall. Bryce Hall would sit and kind of wait until you, hey, are you closing any space, closing your space? Do I have to turn around or am I breaking? And he he dictate the space for the receiver. Gladney would already be off at eight, nine yards and then backpedal out even more to where a receiver just runs his route at 10 yards, breaks out, catches the ball. And then, yeah, you know, he makes the tackle and maybe he's taught to keep it in front of him. But if you're going to be a guy, I need to see you challenge yourself a little bit more. So that was just something that I noticed. That he was a little, I don't want to say slow, but he didn't really break with any sense of urgency. And I thought he could have challenged himself a little more. There's a lot to like. He just has some things that I feel like he can improve on. Yeah, that's funny. Gladney is seen as a super competitive dude. And sometimes you can t take that to mean confidence. But when you look at a guy like Fulton or a guy like Bryce Hall, I agree. I think they play with more confidence. At least they have that confidence in the athleticism. I And I don't get why Gladney plays like that, to your point, because 
all all the tools are there. You just got to be a little bit more patient uh, with his game. Uh, one guy that, that has really gained steam in this process is A.J. Terrell from Clemson. He is your CB4, and as we approach the draft, the feeling is that he could be a first-round lock. And I like Terrell, and I really value his man cover skills, and I really thought he got he got too much crap. I've said this multiple times now over multiple shows, but I really believe it. He took a lot of crap for the national championship game, and I thought he played pretty decently there, and the rest of the tape is pretty doggone good. What's your take on the Clemson corner and how he'll acclimate to life in the NFL? You know, a lot of times people do, they, especially when you're a cornerback, they, they don't notice the good or they don't remember the good. They just remember when you got beat, you know, yeah. <laughs> and that's the life of a cornerback. And for him, up until that touchdown, man, he was playing lights out. He yeah. was following. Again, I put a lot of stock into guys that travel with the wide receiver one. And he was in Chase's hip pocket, play after play after play. He broke up several passes. It was kind of bound to happen to where, hey, you know, playing against a great quarterback, you're playing against a very talented receiver. You know, if you go up against this guy enough and they give him enough opportunities, if Chase is who we think he is, he's going to make some plays. And he ended up making a couple plays. Mm. But I thought of it more as, hey, this is a really good battle and not so much, oh, this dude's just kicking his ass. Like now, yeah, it, it turned out to look like that especially if you look at the numbers but on a play-to-play basis I thought remember I look at everything as a prospect I thought the way that he battled showed me hey he has all the ability to be that type of guy there were some things where I'm like ah you know he's he plays a little flat-footed so then maybe that might hinder his change of direction a little bit because he's not on his toes as much those are you know he gets a little wide in his stance just from an ability standpoint uh, his you know ability to really just mirror match a, a receiver and get out of his break and I thought he played with uh, uh, good enough physicality, especially at the line of scrimmage and press. Uh, he's a long guy. He he has all the intangible, good speed. There's a lot to really like. So much so that when I started that my my thread, he was my CB six. Mm. And after talking about the other guys, I'm like, what am I doing here? This guy's <laughs> better than than those two guys as our prospect. So I bumped him up. You know. So if you look through my thread, you're like, wait, he has him at CB six. And then if you look at my final rankings, you'll see I changed it. Yeah. And I had to hit my uh, my my graphics guy up. I said, hey, make this switch for me, man, because I think this guy's a better prospect. So that's what ended up having him bumped up for me. I like that. Oh, let's go to uh, number five. We might as well go back in the linear linear order here. I saw recently, I saw this on Twitter, and I want to see if you feel this the same way. You had pegged uh, Ohio State quarterback Damon Arnett as a big-time fit for the 49ers in round two. And Arnett's a, an interesting study. I thought he had great film uh, but the combine wasn't too friendly to him. I mean, he comes in with those 30-inch arms, which is 7th percentile. The 4, 5, 6, 40-yard dash didn't do him any favors. But again, the film was good. Uh, but with those potential limitations in mind, what makes you so confident in his fit with a defensive scheme like the 49ers? Yeah, well, the, the 49ers play a scheme similar to what Ohio State did, and that's what made him good, right? They didn't ask him, hey, go follow this guy or shadow this guy and, you know, have to guard, uh, you know, Odell Beckham on an island or, you know, yeah. uh, he didn't have to do those type of things. But I thought, you know, within the scheme, he played exceptionally well. I thought he was extremely aggressive. It was, it was weird because I can kind of tell how someone kind of trusts their speed. He didn't play like somebody that ran a four or five, six. He hmm. played like somebody like kind of like Fulton, right? Where it's like, hey, regardless of what my 40 is, Fulton's 40 is better is like 447. Yeah. Regardless of what my 40 is and who I'm going against, I'm still going to challenge myself as if I'm just as fast as you. And I thought he did that consistently no matter what receivers he played against. Now, again, I kind of go back to, hey, who who are these guys guarding, right? Especially on the outside in the Big Ten where you have uh, Cephas, 
Is that how you say his name from Wisconsin? Cephas, yeah. <laughs> he's probably the most talented guy. He's a yeah. four seven three guy. So yeah, you're you're not gonna threaten me vertically, right? Like I'm not afraid of you running by me. Um, you have Tyler Johnson and and KJ Hamler, but those are guys that play primarily in a slot. So yeah, with with, with Arnett, he ha- he just has this ability to you know regardless of his limitations, he plays big. He plays longer than you know somebody that has thirty inch you know arm length arms. Um, I thought he ch- he was really good at the catch point. I, I didn't see any issues of, yeah. oh, man, like his arms aren't long enough to, <laughs> to break this ball up. But <laughs> I think he's going to fall because the NFL, as a prospect, is a measurable thing. And that's why sometimes you see talented guys fall or go undrafted. It's not because they can't play. It's, hey, we don't really know how with his skill set or his measurables, how's that going to match up in the NFL? So, you know, a guy like Chris Harris Jr., Obviously, if people knew what they knew today that he was going to yeah. be an all-pro corner, they would take him much higher. But because of his 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 what he brought, maybe he has some limitations. Uh, his, you know, he's not the tallest guy. Maybe he has shorter arms. Maybe he didn't have the fastest forty. You just have to kind of see how it's going to play out and see how you project it. There, I don't know if I want to get to like if you're going to ask me about sleepers, but Parnell Motley, he's a guy like that who you know he only jumped thirty inches. You know, he he didn't run the fastest forty. You know, four or five zero hand time. So. You know, laser time, that's probably closer to four, five, five or something. He's not an ideal guy that you're going to draft. But his film says, hey, you know, I'm, I can cover. I can challenge guys. I covered Rieger. He challenged him. It was a really good battle. He guarded Mims. Right. I thought he won that. It's weird how the NFL is. There's so much about, you know, the measurables and, oh, I don't want to draft a corner if he doesn't have 32-inch long, you know, length arms. Hmm. But. There are a lot of these guys, and Arnett is one of those guys, man, the dude can just play, but he's going to fall a little bit because of the measurables. Yeah, I want to bring up that name again. Parnell Motley is a guy that you're that you're big on, and we'll, we'll talk about some sleepers in a second. I got, I got one, uh, maybe one or two more big guys that I really want to talk about here. Uh, Bryce Hall, you mentioned him before. He's kind of the forgotten man in this class, thanks to the, injury, uh, the ankle injury that he suffered early in the year. I thought he, uh, if he had come out in a previous draft, he would have been one of the top corners selected. So his process in the last year has been a, a bit of an unfortunate nightmare for him. As you've watched Bryce Hall, do you think he's he's still got that potential to be a top corner? Like, does he have that potential, or do you think he's fallen for good reasons? You know, this class is just a whole lot deeper. He actually yeah. was my CB1 if he would have came out last year. And kind of like receiver, too. Like, receivers to me, Debo Samuel is really high on him. He was my wide receiver, too, last year. And really, if DK Metcalf wasn't as freakish, uh, D- Debo would have been my wide receiver one. Well, in this class, if I inserted him, somebody asked me this question earlier today, if I would have inserted Debo into this class, he would have been my wide receiver nine. <laughs> you know, so that's just kind of, you know, it's a, it's just a deeper class. And, and, you know, it's the same thing for cornerbacks. So now Bryce Hall goes from somebody that would have been my CB1 in a class where you have guys like Byron Murphy, who would end up being my CB1, but it was like, ah, He's shorter, has short arms, yeah. ran a four, five, five. Like, there's not ideal prospects. Bryce Hall would have been the top guy. Now, he's like my CB. I have to look at the paper, but like CB9 or CB8 or something like that. Yeah, you got to have eight, yeah, from what I'm looking at. Yeah, I, I think he can play. I feel like there's some stiffness that it's like, did I overlook it last year? Or maybe it's because I didn't have all 22 access last year. But now <laughs> I'm able to see, like, the bigger picture, and I watch him. I'm like, ah. His feet aren't great. Sometimes you can see it's a little clunky. His change of direction. If he, when he gets moved off of his point and has to do something that he doesn't want to do, where he has to just react, it's not ideal. 
Mm. When he's confident and comfortable with where he's at and you play into his hands, he's fine. Yeah. He's fine there. So a lot of times he likes to sit off and let people eat his cushion. And if you run a 10-yard stop, he's going to be right there to break it off. But if you do something and you kind of make him have to move off of his spot, he's a little stiff stiff at that point. And those are things that kind of I noticed that concern me a little bit. I like his game to be able to play um, that type of position uh, the way he does. I think that there is definitely value in that. But I'd be a little scared to take him before the third round because I, I don't know 100% what type of athlete he is, and we didn't really get to see him test that way. So I'm like, ah, if what I'm seeing on film is true, I don't think he was somebody that would test as well. And yeah. I don't know how much he can improve on that. And then he had the injury that was really gruesome. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Noah Igbenogany from Auburn. Jalen Johnson from Utah. You're a defensive back coach in the NFL. Which one are you the most excited to coach? Oh, the, the one from Auburn. Yeah. Um, he has good feet. He has good change of direction. I think it's very easy change of direction. I think from press... He plays, he uh, mirror matches guys very well, and he's super aggressive. Now, with Jalen Johnson, um, what I've been told over, over the last week, because, you know, these are certain things I, I just don't know. Um, I guess he was dealing with, like, a shoulder injury. So I'm thinking, hey, is that the reason why he was a little hesitant to get, get in on some contact? And I just kind of look at a guy's, how is he mentally, right? Yeah. Um, if you're not the most freakish athlete, then you you better be super well-rounded and do all the other things extremely well. I know I got it from the Auburn cornerback. I didn't see it as much from Johnson. I saw his coach put out this clip like, oh, you know, he can do all these things. Well, I don't know if you saw it, but the coach was like, you know, he can do this. If you need him to do this, you can do that. But is it consistent? And I yeah. thought sometimes his eyes were really bad. Sometimes, you know, where he was should be able to kind of either sink underneath guys um, he's looking back at the quarterback and the receiver, you know, creates a ton of more space. Uh, there were things like that, but those things are coachable. So I don't want to knock him too much for those things, but I just, uh, even on the, like, okay, the things that I can't coach, I didn't think he had any elite traits outside of his length. Mm. I'm a little, I'm not as high on him as some other guys, but I'm definitely higher on the Auburn kid who I think brings more of a total package. He's just not as tall. Yeah, and he's, he's not experienced either. He's only got two years at the position, and you think, man, you get this guy to the right defensive backs coach and, and let him develop, and he can really, really take off. So I like his game. Right. All right, last question. We'll get we'll get through some sleepers. Just anybody you want to shout. I know you're a big quarterback guy. I know you support these guys and everything like that. Shout out the, the guys maybe day three, even late day two, 
that you really think got a got a good shot at making a difference in the NFL? Uh, there's, so there's Reggie Robinson. Yeah, I like him. I know his name has kind of become popular. He he's somebody who I really like his game. I don't know what the upside is because sometimes their their movement skills kind of tell me uh, a little bit more about them. I think he's fine. I think he played in his game very well and he tested extremely well. Yeah. Great vertical jump, um, great forty. Has the size. I think he's somebody that probably, if he plays safety, he'd probably be a terrific safety, but he plays corner, and I think he can play corner. I don't know how high his ceiling is, but I think he has good enough skill set to where, you know what, he, he's a guy that can, you know, be a really good day three pick. So yeah. I, I think that's the first guy that kind of jumps out to me. I know his name has kind of really been popular amongst uh, draft Twitter, but he's somebody I, I, I do like his game. And his coach <laughs> – his coach actually messages me, and I get a lot of these messages, man. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm just a regular Twitter dude, but um, I get these messages from coach coaches, and they're like, hey, look at my guy. Look at my guy. Look at this guy. Look at that yeah. guy, you know? And I'm like, look, man, I don't get paid for this, man, so this is this is, this is extra, man. I'm going to have to charge you guys. But uh, I, I liked what I saw from him uh, when I finally got a chance to look at the All-22. I don't know if he played as fast as his 40 time, Yeah. but he was very aggressive at the catch point. I, I really like his game. Yeah, I, I like Robinson from uh, from from Tulsa, so that's a good one. All right, Eric, that is going to do it for this uh, special edition, the 2020 BGN Draft Specials. Uh, one more time, plug all your stuff to the listeners. Anything you want to throw out there for them to check out? Make sure you guys follow me at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. I also have another page where I do film, but I'm actually about to change the name because <laughs> I'm creating. I'm in the process of creating my own website, nice. so. Um, a lot of my content can be more structured and organized, and I'm going to go a little bit more in on on, on that side of things. So um, the 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 actually the website will be called uh, the Crocker Report. So okay. CrockerReport.com. Uh, so you guys be on the lookout for that. That should be up in the next, I'd say, uh, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. So I'm really excited about doing that. It's like now I finally have a reason to watch all this film. <laughs> so when the, when the Eagles draft a cornerback, I'm going to have you back on, okay, after we, after we both get a chance to watch the film and you can school me on some stuff. How's that sound? Right. And and I think that will give me a chance to talk about how that player fits into your guys' scheme. Yes, which is super important. Landing spot, always important for these guys. Eric, brother, I appreciate you, man. Take man, it easy. anytime. Anytime. Thank you. Yeah.